this is phantom power. Episode 6 Data Streams Welcome to Phantom Power. I'm Mac Haygood. Today my co-host Chris Cheek prepares us for World Listening Day, an annual global event held every July 18th and sponsored by the World Listening Project, with events held all over the planet. We'll get you tuned into Acoustic Ecology and World Listening Day with plenty of time to find an event near you or perhaps to start one of your own. Chris has a show for us in three parts. First, we'll meet Teresa Barroso, a sound artist, composer, and sound designer for film, theater, and dance, and the creator of the theme for this year's World Listening Day. Next, Chris does some close listening of his own in a meditation on the sounds of humans, animals, and earth in his neighborhood. And finally, we meet Leah Barclay, who made the recording we're hearing right now in Dolphin Cove on the Great Sandy Biosphere Reserve in Queensland, Western Australia, She's the president of the Australian Forum on Acoustic Ecology, the editor of Soundscape Magazine, and the vice president of the World Acoustic Ecology Forum. Leah spoke with Chris from a remote biosphere reserve when it was still summer in the Southern Hemisphere. World Listening Day enters its second decade in 2018. This year's theme is Future Listening, created by Filipino sound artist Teresa Barroso. Phantom Power caught up with Teresa amidst her preparations. Um, I'm Teresa, Teresa Barroso, yeah, and I'm a composer and a curious listener from the Philippines. Whereabouts in the Philippines are you? Quezon City, Manila. Teresa, how did you get involved with the World Listening Project? Uh, I learned about the World Listening Day. Well, it's quite popular every year. I get to uh, read up, read on it. And but for this year, um, I got invited by by Eric Leonardson and Leah Barclay to to create a theme for this for this year's World Listening Day. I'm actually surprised that, that they uh, they invited me because I'm starting out as a sound artist. My um, my my day job is uh, is that I'm a composer for film and theater and sound designer for theater. Yeah, and um, but this since that's my background, um, I've been very fascinated with how how sound and music is used. In, in storytelling 
how we use sound and music to quote unquote manipulate our audience. <laughs> Um, that's where my interest began. Here in the Philippines, there's no such thing as sound studies. So, so I started looking outside the Philippines. Uh, I, I, I started reading um, about sound and listening online. Mostly, uh, we find everything online. So, uh, so I just started googling stuff about sound. I really got interested. I, I got interested with sound installations. How sound can stand on its own as an artwork. Interested with how sound can shape the society. I saw online there's this thing called acoustic ecology. Oh, there's this thing about deep listening. Oh, of course, I, I heard about, of course, Paulina Oliveros. So, um, What's your idea for World Listening Day this year? The theme for this year's World Listening Day is future listening. And here we are inviting people to respond on the question, what does your future sound like? Um, there are also other general guide questions to consider. I'm going to read them. What does your past sound like? What does your present sound like? Which sounds do you wish to retain? Which sounds do you wish to never hear again? Which sounds do you consider as toxic waste? How does silence and noise sound in your future? Which sounds have gone silent? Can you still hear? People will be responding to World Listening Day all over the world, I hope. Are they expected to make recordings or to write about the, their experience or both? I personally uh, feel that anyone is um, welcome to respond in any way they prefer. Um, one example, of course, um, they've been doing this uh, for the past few years. No? Um, other communities do sound walks um, and there some other groups um, they just gather and talk about sound and um and there are uh groups who um curate concerts or performances 
it's inspired by the theme not just artists but anyone anyone who has something to say or anyone who who, who hopes or dreams can actually be included in this uh, global campaign it's not uh, exclusive <laughs> so what kind of, of future sound do you imagine so I'm interested with how we um, how we can um, change our future actually um, how we can change our future by being present in our listening How we, we can examine our hopes, dreams, and even uh, our, our ambitions to go to where we want to through by being um, conscious of what we hear. One term often used to describe the sum of what we hear is acoustic ecology. Teresa Barozzo used that there. But what is it? It seems kind of specialist, right? Here's a very brief description. Acoustic ecology, sometimes called echoacoustics or soundscape studies, is a discipline studying the relationship mediated through sound between human beings and their environments. And my thinking increasingly became about phones, the anthropophone, the biophone, and the geophone. Here's my own attempt to get to grips with that. I make a quick local inventory of what I hear around me. The racket of a pair of my shoes tumbling in the dryer, drifting up from the basement of the house, clanks like a broken part in some kind of drum. Not as loud or persistent as the repetitive whirr and whoosh of an air conditioner spinning into action during high summer, or the clicks and hums of the fridge in the kitchen, but examples of anthropophony nonetheless. Someone sanding a plank while a cranked amp in a trunk to bring some kind of bump crawls by. Peer pressure is the sound of summer mowing, leaf and snow blowing, and all the fun of the power tools that change the dynamic. An anthropophone in the Anthropocene. All sound produced by humans, whether considered coherent, such as music and language, allegedly, or incoherent and chaotic, such as random signals generated primarily by electromechanical means of ambient noise, all forging part of this ongoing sonic patina. In the evenings, I hear the voices of various people calling to their pets across the hill. Emergency sirens on the arterial, whistles from distant trains. A stronger wind brings chimes from the neighbor's deck, a cacophone of city dwelling here in Northside, Cincinnati. Lying awake at night, we can hear screech owls outside the house sometimes, raccoons fighting, 
persistent dog barks, sometimes even coyotes hunting along the creek bed in nearby woods. By day, bluebirds, cardinals, sparrows, hawks and starlings flit and tweet and sing and sometimes swarm the trees around our house, imitate foam tones perhaps, and in a decent breeze tall trees creak out and rub against each other, bees trawl for pollen, squirrels skitter from branches to gutters and across rooftops, at dusk Possums edge out eerily across the steps leading up to the porch. Mice in the leaves, moles cruise streetside strips of lawn along the edge rows of this urban biophone. We cannot hear their frequencies. A resonance within the hill on which our house is set. The sounds that travel underground. Granular land, water runs, Ears with roots, rock crack and earth tremors in the gathering ice and or heat. Those songs of the earth. Geophony. Hey everyone, it's Mac Haygood. Here at Phantom Power, we are so fortunate to have generous funding from the Miami University Humanities Center and the National Endowment for the Humanities. And among other things, this means that we don't have to implore you to buy a new mattress or join a Sock of the Month Club. If you're a regular podcast listener, you know what I'm talking about. So luckily, we don't have to do that. We do, however, have one small ask. Just go to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate it. It's a great way for the people who are funding this show to know that folks really are listening to it. And it's also a great way for more people to learn about Phantom Power. Thank you. For the rest of the show, here's Leah Barkley. It sounds like you're in a great environment right now, actually. There's some nice bird song uh, in the background. I am, yeah. I'm actually in the Noosa Biosphere Reserve. There's cicadas, very loud cicadas. Can you hear those now? I can. Okay. I mean, I can close windows if that's... No, no, no. I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. My name is Leah Barclay. I'm an Australian sound artist and composer And my work really revolves around acoustic ecology and environmental field recording. So I work with different ecosystems, particularly ecosystems that are often beyond our auditory perceptions, such as rivers and lakes and marine environments. And I create experiences of being immersed and present in those ecosystems. Installation style or concert style or a mixture of both? Um, both. So I, I use these environmental field recordings in different contexts. 
immersive installations which are always in surround sound, usually eight channel surround sound, and often have interactive elements. So that human presence in the space affects the sonic environment. I also create live performances with these materials where I'll mix all the sounds live again in a surround sound context and these often involve live streams as well so live streaming hydrophones from a different ecosystem that I'll bring into that live performance. Can you talk about the Biospheres project? Yeah, so so Biosphere Soundscapes is a project that I started in 2012 and the idea launched in the Noosa Biosphere Reserve in Queensland, Australia, inspired by the model of Biosphere Reserves, which are UNESCO-designated sites designed to look at innovative approaches to the conservation of biological and cultural diversity. It was uh, a model that revolved around a local environment but was globally connected. So Biosphere Soundscapes really started as this project that could develop participatory acoustic ecology experiences in the context of local communities of biosphere reserves and connect to different sites using sound as a tool to inspire ecological engagement, but also leveraging the scientific possibilities of sound for understanding ecosystem health. We're actually rebuilding our sound maps and databases at the moment to create this central repository for community recordings because what we've found when we're running workshops and engagement exercises in the biosphere reserves is the communities want to keep going. They want to keep recording the environment for both artistic and scientific purposes. And so we want to create these interfaces that enable them to keep doing that and enable them to share and compare those recordings with other biosphere reserves as well. How are you archiving the data that's collected? That's an excellent question and it has been a, an ongoing challenge with the project. Um, initially, we uh, looked at this model of cataloguing everything on site, backing everything up on hard drives and we're always taking a different approach to recording. So we're doing in situ field recording where we're staying with the equipment, which might be a three hour session, but then we're doing long duration recordings, which could be a 24 hour recording or it could be a two week continuous recording. So obviously the kind of backup systems and the data management on site is dramatically different for that kind of material. And so, We've gone through different processes of the best way 
to manage that and that's why we're building these new databases and sound maps now which will streamline that process so communities can upload their material directly but as with any project of this nature where we're generating huge amounts of acoustic data there's a lot of material from the past that that hasn't been annotated um, at all but basically the exciting point where we are now with this kind of technology with real-time species recognition and um, algorithms that can analyze that acoustic data um, you know we believe that we're going to be able to use that material as we move forward to compare acoustic diversity to 10 years ago While we're not annotating and databasing everything in a perfect way, we see great value in collecting as much acoustic data as possible. Yeah, and I presume that tagging must be a, a, a really big part of that too. Absolutely. What layers and levels of tagging you get into, how much detail, how much complexity. That's exactly right. And the, the new community system basically has layers of tagging. So you can... You can select location is the big one, time of day, and then right. our communities can choose then to add more layers of information to the point that they can actually identify specific species if they want to or identify you know, simple differences between biophony and geophony and things like that. There will be this gradual, I'm going to be a bit of a space cadet in saying this, global mapping in terms of a, a complexity of sound and location. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's there's been a lot of calls for that throughout various artistic and scientific communities. Obviously, there's a lot of incredible sound maps that exist online that have inspired elements of this project, but often... Um, they don't call for community participation or the ones that do call for community participation are around, you know, specific themes or very broad. So looking at the way that listening can inspire presence and connection to place and all of the future possibilities we have in these scientific fields that allow us to use sound to monitor environmental health.
Ah, the potential proliferation of live streaming sites triggered by presence um, or tr or triggered remote. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, the, the live streaming element is a really interesting one as well. We had set up various models and frameworks to live stream within Biosphere Soundscapes and within a parallel project called River Listening using hydrophones in rivers. And it didn't always work. We had, you know, all of these issues with, you know, if you're in a remote area, or internet dropping out and technology going missing and the interfaces we were using weren't working. Um, but then I discovered um, SoundCamp in London in the UK who have been running really fantastic community-based live streaming projects for many years. And so we started working with them to build various frameworks for community streaming kits. So of course that's quite transformational to data management. These streams are used in both artistic and scientific contexts. You know, they can be integrated into installations and performances, um, but they can have algorithms attached to them that do real-time species recognition. Do you notice a difference between recording an environment when people are there and recording an environment when people aren't there? Absolutely. I mean, and that's been an, an interesting process for me personally as a field recorder. I mean, I notice the difference when I am there as well. If I'm setting up equipment in the environment and I'm in situ, I'm there with headphones on, actively listening, which I love doing, and I think it's such a magic way to connect to the environment, but I notice a distinctive difference in those recordings between when I'm there and when I'm not there, because obviously everything that lives in that ecosystem is equally as aware of my presence and of anyone else's presence, um, and naturally they vocalise in different ways. Leah, I think I'm right in saying that you're involved with the development of apps for mobile platforms. That's exactly right, yeah, which, is, which has again been a big part of the community engagement side of the project. So I've been really interested through both Biosphere Soundscapes and River Listening to develop mobile apps that enable communities to record and locate their sounds very easily. Um, and, you know, when they're in environments where they're hearing different species, they can literally just pull out their phone and start recording and add that to the database. For example, you know, where we are right now, you may hear the waves of cicadas in the background, which 
aren't necessarily a common soundscape for this time of day, but we know that this particular species of cicadas comes out when the temperature is gradually starting to rise. So it would mean that a community member could pull out their phone and record this and upload it straight to the database. And while we know that sound has been the relatively less focused on human sense in terms of development of internet platforms and interfaces, using the technology is also humans interfering in the environment even further. So there's a kind of a trade-off here. Of course, yeah. And look, I mean, realistically, I think, you know, there's an inherent contradiction in in many of the projects that I've really been pushing in acoustic ecology and you know using mobile technologies as a tool to reconnect young people to the environment obviously is problematic in in more ways than one but at the end of the day when you know young people are carrying these mobile phones in their back pocket it's not like they're going to get rid of them tomorrow I see great value in you know using the available platforms we have and repurposing these technologies in ways that can inspire this culture. The fact that I can create these augmented reality sound walks and installations with mobile applications and I can take those to climate change conferences and literally put them in the hands of decision makers so they can be listening as they walk past in the hallways, transforms the accessibility of these experiences. When we start to think about these environments that we don't traditionally have access to through our auditory perception, you know, freshwater environments in rivers, the horrific impact that anthropogenic noise is having in our marine environments, but then when they're immersed in an installation or a listening experience where they actually hear how loud and intense and and heartbreaking in a way that sound world is for species such as humpback whales who are migrating, yeah, it's quite confronting. Well, thanks, Leah. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I wish you a great day there in the biosphere. Thanks very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to hear more episodes of this podcast as well. And that's it for this episode of Phantom Power. Thanks to Teresa Barroso. The track that played during her segment was a piece called Duet. And thanks to Leah Barclay. All of the sounds in Leah's segment were by her. You can learn more about those pieces and find transcripts and links to some of the things we've talked about at phantompod.org. You can also subscribe to our show there 
or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you'd review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you thought about the show on Facebook or give us a shout on Twitter at Phantom Pod. Our interns are Natalie Cooper and Adam Whitmer. Phantom Power is made possible through a generous grant from the Miami University Humanities Center and the National Endowment for the Humanities.